Uh, yeah. It's the week after Thanksgiving, which means that uh, all the football matters now. Isn't that right? Isn't that right, Cian? Football's the only thing that ever matters, isn't it? Well, the, the big football brains tell you that uh, up until Thanksgiving, it doesn't really matter. But after Thanksgiving, every single match is, give or take, the teams who can't make it anymore, a playoff game. And for a lot of teams stuck in the middle, these games are big games. Roger Goodell was not liking this conversation right now. They added one extra regular season game this year because they are all playoff games, Joe. Have you been gone too long? You've forgotten how important every single NFL game is. The Jets play the Falcons. It's the biggest deal in the world. The Jaguars play the Texans. No one's watching, but it's still the biggest deal. Yeah, I feel sorry for uh, the, the crowd in London who've continuously had to go and watch the Jags. Uh, it's better than watching Spurs. <laughs> well, yeah, at least with Spurs, he felt alive for a little while under Pochettino, particularly that season where they reached the Champions League and lost 18 games in the league. Hey, the Jaguars went to the AFC Championship with Blake Bortles. Don't discount that. It's true, it's true. And uh, it was notable that Tom Coughlin was in the New York Giants stadium when they were uh, retiring Michael Strahan's shirt. Obviously, he should be, but I don't think he's going to be getting asked back to Duval County anytime soon. Was he there five minutes early? I don't know, I don't know. I'd say he was there all day. I tell you, for, at, at that stage of, of his career, he's like, there's going to be a good buffet, I'll be there. Uh, right, a reminder that the snap is brought to you in association with the Erlingus College Football Classic Northwestern Wildcats, pardon me, Northwestern Wildcats, too excited, take on the Nebraska Huskers at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday, the 27th of August, 2022. For full details, check out collegefootballireland.com. And if you're like me, and you haven't done any of your Christmas shopping yet, then... This is the perfect present for anybody in your life who likes football. Uh, it's going to be a good game. Northwestern Wildcats versus Nebraska Huskers. It's going to be a brilliant occasion. And it's going to be a full stadium, no doubt, on the 27th of August, 2022. So you've got a little while before Christmas, but not much. Get the finger out, get your tickets, and get sorted. Let's, uh, ordinarily, this is a bit where we would do the pick six. It's Ronan's shtick, so we're not going to steal his thunder, but we do have six things picked today. Yeah, but hold on. Before we suddenly do anything, we need to mention how Ronan's not here and how it suddenly coincides with Lamar Jackson throwing four interceptions and how your return suddenly coincides with the 49ers playing good games. I'm not a, a conspiracy theorist, but apparently I am. This, this is a setup. Because the only reason you're here right now is because you're back believing in Jimmy Garoppolo. You've got Elijah, uh, Elijah, whatever his running back's More, name is. I think yeah. his name, you know, Mitchell. More. And you're all excited. Yeah, I, I am... I never doubted. I never wavered, especially not like five weeks ago when they were 80-1. to 1. I was like, ooh, what's going to happen? Are they, are they going to pull the trigger on Kyle Shannon? I think they're probably not going to pull the trigger on Kyle Shannon, almost irrespective of what happens. But there was a time there where the local press around the Bay Area were like, what's he doing? What's... They're the ones whose job it is to uh, tell everybody how great Shanahan is and how great their lives are now because they're covering the genius. And in fairness to them, they've been very good at that. But there was definitely a point five, six weeks ago where they were like, this is awful. The football's awful. He's supposed to be a savant when it comes to calling creative plays. And we'll get into this in a couple of minutes' time. But I guess what you're suggesting is that Ronan has flown to Baltimore in a mercy mission to try and somehow coach a better performance from Lamar. That's, um, I, I like it. We can go with that. Well, he's probably gone to Baltimore and got distracted by his love for Justin Tucker. And regardless, he's like, let's be real here. He brought a Lamar Jackson throw four interceptions and Justin Tucker miss a field goal. That's really who Ronan is. Well, and, and you know, he, he, that might end up being the MVP for the entire year or in, in the Super Bowl. We'll see. You don't think that the Ravens are going to make it to the Super Bowl from the AFC because your shout now is the Patriots. Where did you get there? How did this happen? Actually, Jar, let's let's start with you because you were watching football before me. Were you watching football during the Brady initial years? 
Oh, I'd stopped. I watched in the 80s and only kind of came back. Um, kind of came back around. Well, I mean, the second Brady trilogy, I was I was back for. But the first three that they won, that the first dynasty they built, the Teddy Bruschi team, I wasn't really watching that much. So you're no use to me here, in other words. Uh, the Patriots. I've right read the now, books. I've read the books. Give, give me, give me. What was the quiz question? <laughs> what was the quiz question? You were going to ask me. There was something about Brady in the early. No, I wasn't. I was going to point out that uh, the, the initial, the initial Brady years, those first three Super Bowls. It's a very easy comparison right now to compare compare the Patriots to them because Belichick is literally trying to build that team again. He's got this quarterback here who can make plays when he needs him to, but he's not asking him to do too much. He's relying on his tight ends and Hunter Henry and John Smith when he's healthy. He's relying on the running game with Harris, who's been outstanding. And those receivers are making enough plays as they go. Kendrick Bourne, and you'll notice because he played for the 49ers, Kendrick Bourne is a pretty damn good receiver, and he's shown to be a pretty good receiver the last couple of weeks. And they're just making enough plays on offense. But really, it's the defense. Like, the defense is... It, it's none of us should have ever doubted this was going to happen but each week they've gotten better and better and better Stefan Gilmore came back and they were like now nah, we don't really need you that much anymore we've got these young cornerbacks who's going to shift you off to the Carolina Panthers Matt Judon's playing the best football of his career after leaving Baltimore and he's racking up sacks and the pressure on the interior from Christian Barmore and everyone else has been outstanding so Belichick has done what he always does where we're all looking at everyone else we're cycling through the Chiefs the Ravens the Bills we're going through all these teams trying to find the best team in the AFC and Belichick's just like I took a year off last year I'm back now and my team is back looking the exact identity that I wanted to look like and they're just it's a bit of a machine like quality to them I think they've, they've kind of figured out the full, the full balance between needing to be an offensive team in this offensive era this era where if you don't have a good enough offense you're not going to win games while still having that reliance on defense and being a great defense so yeah I, I think I'm at the point where I'm like I get Bill Belichick I get a rookie quarterback I really like and I get a really talented roster considering the field who else is better like is, is there someone else you'd point to in the AFC well it, let's talk about Lamar and his four interceptions I mean we will talk a little bit more later on when we're previewing games about the uh, return to form somewhat of Kansas City in the last few weeks I think like it, it there are suddenly a slew of teams who are at similar level as opposed to at the start of the year when I think we all thought that it was going to be uh, a Lamar-inspired Ravens or potentially the Chiefs getting to a third Super Bowl and everybody was a mile behind them. I think the, the point you talked about there at the year off, right? So many of his players did actually take last year off because of COVID, and particularly on the defensive side of the ball. They've all come back and lo and behold, the team is much better. The, the other thing that they did was they spent a lot of money because... I just listened today to somebody from one of the Boston press saying that they felt like there was a market inefficiency. They had loads of money. They'd built up cap space from last year and the previous few years when really they should have been investing. It turns out in Tom Brady, who knew? Uh, but what happened was that they built up this, this money and then they went and they splurged it on free agents and everybody kind of thought they'd spend too much on those free agents. Now nobody's complaining about the money they spent because the team is working out. So I, I, look, I would agree with you. I think it's very difficult to pick against them right now, but I'd like to see them up against Lamar in good form or up against Patrick Mahomes in good form? Well, that's a big question, and that's what makes it interesting because you've got that rounded team in the Patriots where they've got every position looked after. They've got a great coaching staff. But Lamar and Patrick Mahomes, together, they've both not necessarily played poorly. They haven't played to the peak levels they've played in previous years. But the story has really been about everything around them because 
The Chiefs rebuilt their offensive line. It hasn't worked out. Travis Kelsey, for some reason, has not been a big factor in games throughout the year where there's been times where I felt like Mahomes and him have had like personal problems because Kelsey's wide open and Mahomes just doesn't throw him the ball. He goes to someone who's already covered and ignores the, the obvious option who he always went to before. And Lamar is dealing with everyone being hurt. All of his running backs are gone. Half his offensive line is gone. His wide receivers are in and out of the lineup and his wide receivers are bad in general. Defensively, he lost a cornerback or two. So... Those two teams are beat up and they're kind of, they've got very clear holes that you think a Belichick type team would be able to take advantage of and go after. So the AFC, like, and I suppose the other big one we've left out there is Josh Allen and the Bills. And we will get further into that matchup because they're playing each other this week. But you see, I still have a, pro- uh, a problem trusting him in big games. You've seen him turn up in, in games where you expect him to win and they blow teams out and that's fine. But when it comes to a, a real proper performance, and he, he's under pressure to make plays. He's just not very good. And that's the, the reality of it. So it really is about the, the balance and the overall health. And maybe things will continue to change but hopefully we get the best of the Chiefs, the best of the Ravens, and the best of the Patriots, because then suddenly we get these AFC playoffs where it's fascinating and it's, it's high-quality drama and high-quality yeah. football and all explosive plays. I actually think that that tier just below them would all actually provide decent opposition for them in a playoff game. Um, and I'm thinking here... Well, like the Colts? The Colts and the Chargers, yeah. I think that, like... So it depends. Oh, the Chargers aren't even going to make the playoffs at this rate. Well, it depends, right? The, it, the, the uh, post-Thanksgiving thing is actually relatively important. Some teams, <laughs> Coming back to this. Well, some teams, some teams round into form right now. Like, at this time last year, I don't think everybody was circling Tampa Bay and saying they're going to cruise to the Super Bowl it was a run of form that they, they rounded into here at this point and look maybe maybe the Chargers are done I'm not sure we'll, we'll see this weekend because they're up against the Bengals um, and they're, they're getting points um, as we pick games a little bit later on so that's a sign of how bad things have gone for them just recently but uh, I do think that they've put up a decent game against any of the three powerhouses that we think are there or maybe it's four I don't know we'll, we'll get to that when you think about the Bills what happened with the four interceptions for Lamar is it a game you just put across through and move on or is there something that you would be worried about here well there is a worry here because Lamar Jackson is up to 12 interceptions on the season he's never been above nine before I know you can say he doesn't throw the ball a huge amount but he's always been very smart at how he throws the ball he's never been reckless as a passer and in this game last week like it, it's easy it's very easy to say okay the offensive line isn't really good anymore the wide receivers don't really get open and then there's all these issues but the flat reality of it was he was awful last week and it was interesting because if you cut out a minute and a half of that game you can make a perfectly good highlight reel of Lamar Jackson playing a great game of football but in a minute and a half in the second quarter he threw an interception that was a horrible decision he came back threw another interception that was a horrible decision on the very next throw and then maybe two throws later he completely misplaced the ball underneath and that was intercepted again and once you do that it's very hard to just go, oh, you were great for three and a half quarters or you were good for three and a half quarters. But you know those complete, absolute disastrous plays you had there a while ago? Those kind of don't matter. We'll forget about them. The fourth interception was just unlucky. It was actually a great play by the defender. Mark Andrews got deep. Uh, it's a play they use a lot where Mark Andrews runs a, a crossing route, but he has the option to go flat right across the field or if he can, he can angle further upfield because depending on what the coverage does. So basically, if the safety comes down too quickly, he can drop up or drop in behind him and run deep towards the end zone. Jackson just leaves it, under throws it a little bit and the defender turns around and catches it. It's actually, it's a bad throw, but it's not a throw I get too mad at quarterbacks for making because most of the time now, and it's a, if you watch the Colts-Buccaneers game last week, you see Carson Wentz doing it because he does it all the time, where they under throw that deep ball a little bit because that means they still get the pass interference because the wide receiver is coming back, yeah. the defender is looking at the wide receiver and you run into each other. But this just happened to be an occasion where the defender turned around and caught the ball. So overall, it was an awful day for Lamar. I have some concerns about 
how he's going to be moving forward, but most of my concerns with the Ravens are around him rather than uh, specific to him. Yeah, I, and look, I think uh, Derek Carr is the same thing as well. I often wonder, is Keane almost venting frustrations on behalf of his friend in that regard? I don't want to say he's got a blind spot to Solskjaer, but he's another former teammate who hasn't exactly kind of criticised Subscribe him. now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Let's talk about the Buccaneers, right? So, um, a, a relatively straightforward victory for them in a back-and-forth game that I thought showcased all the best stuff about them. Leonard Fournette, I know you love yourself a little bit. Leonard Fournette looks absolutely sensational. Playoff Lenny is here to stay for the Buccaneers. I looked at that and thought, ooh, they are, they are ticking. You looked at that and thought, ooh, I see problems. What problems do you see? Hold on a second. I think Leonard Fournette is like six foot three and like twenty stone. I don't even call him Lenny. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Lenny is a reserve for like less intimidating people. Yeah, and uh, the Buccaneers. So I tend to try and have one game that I watch uh, at live and watch as it goes, and then you have red zone as well, and then you're doing whatever work you're doing as, as you go along. And this was the game this week, and it was interesting because. The, Buc- the, the Buccaneers had five possessions in the first quarter. They had, I think they had seven points or 10 points by the end of the second quarter. Like they had played basically a full game in the first half and gone nowhere. And it was Brady was missing throws. He, he had two passes that should have been intercepted. He had a couple of drops. He had Chris Godwin had a fumble. They were just imploding over and over and over again. And because the Colts were doing the same on offense on the other side, you just had this game where there was loads of possessions and neither offense was going anywhere. And eventually the Buccaneers managed to score over 30 points. So you think, oh, this is an offense that scores over 30 points every week. Tom Brady's great. The offense is great. Everyone's, there's so many weapons and they will destroy teams. And they do that a lot of the time. But last week wasn't the case. They, they, they really had to struggle to get past the Colts. And to be honest with you, the reason they won that game was defensively they were able to contain Jonathan Taylor for most of the game. He had one drive, it was either towards the end of the third quarter or early in the fourth quarter where he just finally started to break free between the tackles and once he breaks free he's very difficult to stop. So they did a great job defensively containing that offense but offensively it's like how does Brady keep doing this? It's like you're, you're making all these mistakes and you're still putting up points and maybe it's the mark of a good team but to me it's always just scary, a scary way to play. I'm sure he'll end up in, deep in the playoffs or in, in the Super Bowl again this year or whatever but it doesn't feel like they're the dominant team that they should be based on their results or the dominant team they should be based on the talent that they have. They're still incredibly good overall. And yeah. Well, so much to offer. If you, I was I was watching the uh, the stats last week, uh, particularly interested in how Mike Evans wasn't getting thrown the ball, mm-hmm. wasn't being used about anything other than a decoy. Finished, I think, with twelve yards on two catches. Um, but it does feel like if Antonio Brown gets back fit, that the, they're kind of the sum of their parts. Like that was Gronk's first game back properly, where they were using him again and again and again. And it does I, for me, it feels like that's the type of thing that they can recover from, as opposed to it being anything terminal. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And do you want to know uh, to make you feel better about Mike Evans doing nothing? He was going up against Xavier Rhodes, who's about forty-five years of age and can barely move. Well, I think this week he's going to have a big game. That's my that's my that's my wild prediction. Mike Evans is going to have a, a breakout three touchdown game this weekend. The Pete Carroll era is next on our agenda here. It is ending like all political careers end in failure in most sports careers, but it's ending in failure at the Seahawks. It's going to be a losing season for them. Do they have they have they got to nine defeats, or is this the next week? which will actually tip them into a guaranteed losing season, the first one ever of the Russell Wilson era. Pete Carroll has been a genius across his life in different spheres, but he's also had some pretty horrific years where things didn't work out for him. And uh, I think it's a bit sad that it's ending this way. Yeah, I'm not even sure. Like, it's, it's not, you know, sometimes like emperors, empires fall apart and you can point to a specific moment, you can point to a specific thing. 
there really isn't a specific thing. Like the the worst thing they've done in recent times is Jamal Adams trade. That's obviously terrible. Like the they gave up first round picks for a guy who can't cover, whose best quality is pass rushing as a safety. That's insane. And that that's been kind of a an earmark of their moves as a whole they've made lots of bad evaluations they've so many players on that roster now where you don't even know who they are because they get rotated in and out off the field they had the the Shaq Griffin came in to replace Richard Sherman who's supposed to be the next wave he's not even there anymore the defensively they haven't had pass rushers they haven't like when Pete Carroll built that Super Bowl team all the focus was Russell Wilson great quarterback what a steal what a brilliant find in the draft but defensively they built up pass rushers uh, from Cliff Avril, from Michael Bennett, from Chris Clemens. They had all these defensive linemen who were just incredibly talented and they saw value in places where other teams didn't see value. And now they're making decisions that don't make any sense. They're like taking in these veterans or taking these college prospects who don't look good in college even. And it, it hasn't worked out. And maybe they were the smartest people in the room for a long time. And now they're just suddenly being revealed as you aren't actually that smart. You're just kind of showing yourself as being limited. And offensively, Offensively, it's the same thing. Russell Wilson doesn't see open receivers, so he has to play in this run-oriented offense. The offensive line hasn't been good lately. The running game hasn't ever been the same since Marshawn Lynch left. Like The running game, actually, when Chris Carson is fully healthy, is phenomenal because he's very similar to Lynch. He's not as good as Lynch. Lynch is a Hall of Famer, really, if you look back on it. But he's that that caliber of running back, but he's never been healthy consistently. And the other running backs they've drafted and often overspent on haven't worked out. So there are so many problems you can point to. Remember, they, they acquired Jimmy Graham. They acquired Percy Harvin. They've always made these aggressive moves, but it's just, they're not even, they're actually, that's that's what it is, actually. They're going out with a whimper. They're not going out with these big, aggressive statement moves. They're like, look at the Rams, an example, in the same division. Well, they they're, tried it with Jamal Allen, and it didn't better. work, right? That's the problem. It's that they tried to be aggressive, and they tried to go big, but they've actually, they've, they've limited themselves by making really horrible decisions. Even that, though, the only big, crazy decision they've made is the Jamal Adams one, whereas... In past years, they'd have done everything. Any move, anytime anyone was potentially leaving uh, a team, the Seahawks would be the first one you mentioned. But that's not really the way it is anymore. No, it's true. It's true. Was Rashad Penny not a first-round pick for a a running back? Yeah. A high second, maybe. Okay. Uh, That's basically a first-round pick for a running back these days. Um... On, uh, uh, 27th overall yeah he was uh, yeah so like uh, oh, do you know it, anyway he's been a complete bust uh, they end up with Alec Collins and uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't be happier about the fact that the Seahawks have uh, turned to <laughs> rubbish because it might mean that there's a win for the 49ers this weekend uh, in Seattle which is very rare so we'll see no one is um, crowing about this just yet, but um, your next I question... I thought you were just still holding a grudge after the, those famous uh, championship games, Michael Crabtree versus Richard Sherman all those years ago. Yeah, I mean, I've obviously forgiven Richard Sherman. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing, but what the hell are you doing throwing a fade to the end zone with your last play uh, deep into a position where you know your guy's not good enough and you've got, like, Frank Gore has basically run 100 yards already. He just needs five more. Anyway, not that we're bearing grudges. Which NFC team... Which NFC West team would you rather be? This is your question. The Rams or the 49ers? You give me your answer. I'll give you mine. Well, that's the reason I was thinking about it because you wouldn't think it right now. There's one game between them in the record and the standings right now. And like for all the talk of Matthew Stafford coming in and changing the Rams, that simply hasn't happened. And that was fairly predictable. But Odell coming in there now as well hasn't really had a big impact. He made a player or two last week. You don't expect him to have a big impact because it's a mid-season move for a wide receiver. That's a difficult thing to do. But with all the investment they have... They've got their quarterback now. They know who they're going to have. They know they don't have picks moving forward. They've spent them all on these proven established players. So they are where they're going to be, and they've got to figure it out. The 49ers have given their picks away for a future quarterback. And if you watched the 49ers last week, 
you were talking about Kyle Shanahan at the start of this, and Kyle Shanahan's genius, and you might be sarcastic about it, but if you look at last week's game, Jimmy Garoppolo overthrew every receiver he threw to in the first half. So Kyle Shanahan was like, Debo Samuel's my best player, let me just start running him. So he started handing the ball off to his best player, and it worked, and they were actually got creative ways of doing it, and Garoppolo looks absolutely terrible, and they're already talking about trading him in the offseason, so they're working around him. But that means Trey Lance is going to be your guy. So what do you want? Do you want to be the team that has the quarterback in waiting who is exciting and unknown? Or do you want to be the Rams who have all the stars but aren't necessarily playing up to to the standard they should be? I guess the real answer is you want to be the Arizona Cardinals. Well, we'll see. We'll see how how much the the Cardinals is real or if this is a one-season breakout. And and again, as everybody gets tape on the Cliff Cliff Kingsbury offense, and well, let's just wait and see how that team matures because loads of teams come out hard and fast and then again when you've got a tiny little titch as a quarterback he's going to get injured so we, let, let's just cool the Jets on hold on your Colt McCoy jerseys I saw there's a mock draft on the Athletic yesterday and obviously just they just do it by the ratings at the moment and the Cardinals are the number one pick and or sorry the number 32 pick we'll see let's just let's just let's just wait and see what happens there uh, anyway my pick would be the 49ers look the one Massive concern is that they're not going to have any first-round talent for the next three seasons, right? Um, they've given well the next yeah it'll be three years before the next one actually starts a game. Now on the other side, their first-round picks have not been particularly good or effective in recent seasons. They gave away their best defensive lineman, DeForest Buckner. And they paid Eric Armstead what they could have paid DeForest Buckner, and they got Javon Kinlaw in who played about ten games last year, started has maybe started three games this year and is on IR and has had knee injury problems, which he had before he came into the league. So it's not a particularly well-run team in terms of the contracts that they give out, when they give out those contracts, how they go about signing things. The flip side of that is exactly what the Rams have done, where they have built this superstar team. And I don't know. I mean, there's something to be said for it. Their their problem at the moment is not that the offense isn't uh, clicking totally. It's that the defense isn't getting the stops that you would expect them to. Aaron Donald's form isn't the stratospheric, I'm the best player in the league form at the moment, but it'll come back. I think the second half of the season is going to be very interesting for them. The, the back five games of the season is going to be very interesting for them because if they don't make a deep run into the playoffs, then it's been a failure. They've given up all those picks that they've given up for Odell and for, uh, sorry, Odell, no picks, but for Von Miller, like, they won't have very many. That well, they, does their first pick next year, the fourth round, something like that. So I don't know. It's um, they're totally different ways of going about things, and yet both have essentially mortgaged their future to try and win now. If San Francisco do it, it'll be with Garoppolo as opposed to the guy that they mortgaged their future for. So why did they actually mortgage their future? It doesn't really show joined up thinking, does it? I feel like you started off with energy here that you had an answer coming and as you were going through you were like talking myself out of it I mean I love the 49ers of course I would much rather be a 49ers fan with all of the tradition as opposed to being part of the club who owns who owes 750 million to the city of St. Louis because you stole their team let's talk about Jalen Waddle go on last point I will say on that defense point, um, I, that's always my concern with that defense is you you don't build a great defense by having two stars and relying on them. You don't have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and now Von Miller, I guess. 
and rely on them because the offense decides where the ball goes and the offense decides where what area of the field they attack. If you go back to the Jim Harbaugh 49ers defense, they had a couple of stars, they had Alden Smith and Justin Smith. But if you go through that whole group, there's Navarro Bowman, there's Ahmed Brooks, there's Patrick Willis. Even on the back end, Dante Whitner was having great great years back then. You had Carlos Rogers in the slot who was playing very well at that time. So you, do you build great defense at the NFL? Like how many Patriots defenders can you name? That, that's how you do it, by spreading the wealth and getting every, everything around, paying 25 million to Aaron Donald and 25 million to Jalen Ramsey and then giving up picks for Von Miller. That's probably not going to work out in the long run. And maybe they want to live in the eternal now and just win the Super Bowl and that gives them another five, ten years to build another team. We'll see. Right, look, we were going to talk about Jalen Waddle's breakout game for the Dolphins. I don't think the Dolphins are dead yet, by the way. I think that they are actually going to end up... They're in 13th, I think, now, so they, they still have a lot to make up. But they're rounding into form and they're doing it because players like Waddle are actually absolutely top drawer. Yeah, I was really, really impressed by him because I thought he was good in college but not necessarily great. And he, he showed a lot more in this game than I thought he had. There was, I'm just going to use one player as a specific example because he had a 50-plus yard play. Obviously, that's a highlight. He scored a touchdown. Obviously, that's a highlight. But the real quality of the performance was his intelligence working in the middle of the field. And he has a, an out route on third and eight where he's he's going to run eight yards up and then turn it to the outside. But he wants to get on the outside track when he's starting his route. The cornerback is in man coverage right at the line of scrimmage and guesses exactly what he's doing. So he gets onto his outside shoulder straight away. And for a rookie receiver to see that immediately recognize it and go okay i don't have to work through his body i'm going to go past his inside shoulder go past him away from where my route actually is but because he's come forward and come to the outside i can now go quicker in the wrong direction to get back into the right spot and get open on the outside and the benefit of it is because the cornerback wins early he then has to turn around and look at the receiver as the ball is coming so he's now not only in the right spot at the right time he's also controlling the catch point because he can see the ball and the defender can't and he makes this impressive catch with defender trailing on him and actually when i first watched the play i thought it was mike gesicki the tight end because it was so perfectly well run and because the catch came with a defender on his back and once i saw that i was like wow this guy has an ability that i didn't think he had and they actually used him in the slot a lot and he worked in middle of the field throughout that game and he was incredibly good incredibly dangerous on big plays but as a possession receiver as well it's a great option for Tua because Tua's all short passes anyway yeah they'll get Devante parker back this week and potentially will fuller if he still exists uh, the week after so um i think they're going to come good uh right let's move on for highlights from the snap reports from games and early bird offers on tickets check out our weekly american football newsletter it's called otb club gridiron you can sign up now at otbsports.com forward slash club gridiron we're going to pick three games Chargers at bengals Chargers plus three is the situation here and i either put my money where my mouth is a little bit earlier on about how the Chargers are coming good and maybe making the playoffs and pick them in this game but I don't want to do that because I actually really like the Bengals at the moment. So I'm picking the Bengals. You are some men to make a decision anyway, at least, aren't you? Um, this, this week, this game to me is fascinating because these are the two teams in the league where like, you expect them to do one thing this week based on what happened last week, and they do the complete opposite. Like the Chargers started the season off on fire, were phenomenal. Justin Herbert was the best quarterback in the league over the first month of the, uh, month of the year. He was hitting every throw. He was making possible throws that just destroyed and negated the defense completely. Since then, every aspect of that team has dropped off slightly and they've started losing games. Herbert struggled a little bit more. He's still playing pretty well overall. The offensive line is struggling more. The receivers aren't getting open as consistently. Austin Eckler hasn't been as effective. And defensively, they've just given up too many big plays. Then the Bengals, they have that big game against the Ravens a couple of weeks ago and you think, oh yeah, they've announced themselves. Jamar Chase taking over, absolutely phenomenal, dominating every single week. T. Higgins is still there playing pretty well and Burrow looks really good. Defensively, they have kind of a no-name defense where everyone, like a bunch of ex-Vikings are there for some reason, are all making plays on, on the back end. And you think, 
they're rounding into form, but then they'll have two awful losses in a row after the Ravens game. You're kind of going, okay, what, what's happening now? So you look at the Chargers, they come off a terrible loss last week, but the Bengals are coming off another incredible victory against the Steelers where they just shut the Steelers down from the start. Ben Rotsworth threw awful interception down the right sideline. The offense there was all about Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon did everything. Jamar Chase did basically nothing throughout the game. He had two catches for maybe 40 yards. And it was a, another brilliant performance. So you've got the Bengals who are rising, the Chargers who are falling apart. So the obvious thing to do here is to pick the Bengals. So I'm definitely picking the Chargers. Okay, well, uh, at least you got there in the end. Uh, Ravens at Steelers. The Ravens are minus four and a half. The Steelers are toast, surely. They're just playing at the string for whatever reason, keeping Roethlisberger there, some kind of heritage act. There's a bang of Man United in the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer era, except they've got a good coach. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is the quarterback in this situation. Do they have a good coach? Well, Super Bowl winning, no, no losing records except this year for the first time. That's pretty good. Yeah, I think I've always been a thought that he inherited quite a lot there. And the best quality Mike Tomlin has ever really done is not get involved too much and actually be more of an overseer, which I guess makes him a good coach. But it's going to be interesting to see how they rebuild once they've gone past that fulcrum of the team because everything they've tried to rebuild so far hasn't gone particularly well. Rottlesberger, I've always compared Ben Rottlesberger in the Steelers to Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. Kobe Bryant at the end the Lakers gave him 45 million dollars a year when he was like injured and barely played and was just a bad basketball player at that stage and they did it because he was Kobe and he was the identity of the franchise it's the same thing with Roethlisberger and the Steelers he's gonna like we're all assuming Roethlisberger is gone this year he might not be if he decides to come back they'll start him no they won't they can't they will they They shouldn't have done it this year yeah well this is like you're we're giving you the money this year because we all know that you're as you said, that's a reward for everything you've done, but we're planning for next year. And, you know, we've, we've done you right by not putting any other quarterbacks who are credible on the roster so that there's no quarterback controversy and the fans aren't going to chant your name badly at the end here, Ben, but you are done. He's three years of doing this. He's been washed up for three years. Either way, you have to pick the Ravens in this game. Minus four and a half just seems like a, a very shallow line. It should be more than a touchdown, I think. Yeah, I, I think exactly. I would go. The one thing is, it's obviously uh, it's in Pittsburgh, but having said that, I still think you are correct. Every week, listeners to the snap are in with a chance of winning some co-branded beanies and merchandise to enter. Just select the winner against the spread in our game of the week. This time, it's the Patriots at the Bills. The Bills are favoured by two and a half points. Tweet your pick to us at Off the Ball using the hashtag OTB Snap or comment wherever you're watching so you can get it on the YouTube stream as well. Tweet us. The hashtag is OTB Snap. So Bills by two and a half or the Patriots to cover that spread at two and a half. I'm picking the Patriots to cover the spread. I'm the same, and it's a kind of interesting. It's probably the closest thing we get to a defensive battle because you've got two really good defensive teams and two teams that should be able to get pressure on the quarterback. Mac Jones is playing prime time on the road as a rookie. That's always a challenge. Josh Allen is playing prime time. That's always a challenge. And the Patriots should uh, want a little revenge because if we remember last year, the Bills absolutely destroyed the Patriots last year, and Bill Belichick won't have forgotten that. Like we we talk about him as a genius and all the brilliance he does as a coach. He's also someone who takes things pretty personally at times. You know, he, he's not going to be trying to sit sit down and just let the Bills take over this division and move on. I, I'm going to go with the Patriots as well. I think they're they're just like we already talked about them. We already broke them down. They're they're rounding at the form. They're a really really well-rounded team, and it should be a really good game. I think. You think Mac Jones is the real deal? 
I'm all in on Mac Jones. I, I I like Mac Jones a lot more than most people in during the draft. And when the talk was that Mac Jones was going to be the third overall pick after being traded up for, I thought the trade was still aggressive, but I thought it made sense. When it became Trey Lance, I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. But Mac Jones, he's really intelligent. And like he it's one thing at Alabama, it got overlooked because he had really talented wide receivers. But the way he was throwing his receivers open, the way he was letting routes develop against specific coverages, and the way he was reacting to different pressures was simply phenomenal. And it, it kind of, because you're playing for Alabama, it's assumed that everything is easy. But the way he played quarterback made everything for him easy, which is kind of a kind of a hidden kind of way of, of uh, evaluation there. Because if you're in a place where everyone thinks it's going to be easy anyway, but you're actually the one making it easy, you're not getting the credit for that. So I think he's, and I hate making the comparison, he's similar to Brady, but there is that kind of element to him. I generally point to Philip Rivers because he's so smart and he's always one step ahead of the defense. And once he gets past his rookie year where he's fully comfortable with this level of, of, of football, he could take off, I think. All right, tweet us who you think is going to win that game against the spread. The spread is two and a half points. The Bills are favorite. It's the Patriots of the Bills. Just text us using the hashtag OTBSnap. Can you enjoy the weekend's football? Thanks very much. That's this week's edition of The Snap, brought to you in association with the Erlingus College Football Classic, Northwestern Wildcats versus Nebraska Huskers at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday, the 27th of August, 2022. For full details, check out collegefootballireland.com. See you next week.